go into the word of God today and we are dealing with a topic, prosperity. Yeah. Oh Lord, we never talked about this before. Amen. So all you online, this is the time to start making the hate video about me and saying I'm a prosperity preacher. We're going to be talking about the prosperity gospel today. Amen. I want to say something right off the bat, you know, and I know this is going to could be misconstrued or whatever you want to take it. But the gospel is about you prospering. Oh, boy. Amen. Wow. Now, some of, some of you are looking at me like, oh, man, I thought I came to a Bible church. Now, Pastor Dave is turning into Creflo Dollar. No. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not turning into Creflo Dollar at all. You know, he's his, his, he does his thing. And we do Christ forgiveness ministry. But I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about the prosperity gospel in another angle as well, connected to the word of faith movement. I just want to say right off the bat, you know, the church of Christ is a church that stands on the words of faith. <laughs> I'm putting myself out there, eh? <laughs> oh, boy. Now we're going to break this down today because... There's a problem in Christianity. There's a problem with those two words, prosperity and faith. It's as if the whole Christian world has negated the idea of faith, especially in the Western world. And has negated the idea of prospering, especially in the Western world. And I wonder if it's a reaction because we've prospered so much. That now we look at the abuses of prosperity. We see everybody's prospered financially, educationally. We have institutions, we have houses, we have cars. And now we're, we're, we're being critical. We become critical of our prosperity. We ask ourselves questions, and we should. Have we become so infused with the things of the world that we have forgotten the things of faith, the things of God? And so we see rich people from the West moving down, selling everything they have to Costa Rica and wanting to become naturalists and living off of the land and becoming simple. We see this in the West. And we see people from the East, from poorer countries, just praying that they would, they would move to America. It's, it's the big dream. If I can just get myself in the border, I can become rich. I can become somebody with my life. We got two extremes on both sides. One trying to make it, the other party trying to let it go. And so what's happened is we've seen things within the body of Christ, things that we shouldn't have seen. We've seen people throwing money and saying, money, 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 on from the pulpit. We've seen people saying weird things. You know, I, I lived in the, the 1990s when there was a, a movement and they, they called it the Toronto Blessing. And, and, it, and it happened from a church way on the west, west end. It was back in those days called, called um, the, the airport church. Now they renamed it called Catch the Fire. And in those days, if you were around in those days, I don't know, how to show of hands, how many of you were around in the 90s? Okay. In those days, I, I mean, I remember as a, as a new Christian, 1997, going to, going to school. And, and I didn't grow up in a prosperity church, charismatic church. I grew up in just a simple non-denominational evangelical church. And I remember this guy who went to the Pentecostal church and he said to me, he said, hey man, 
I saw someone with gold dust on their hand. I'm like, yeah. It's like, yeah, God does miracles. You, you know, if you pray, he'll give you gold. Everybody's getting a gold filling. <laughs> Do you remember that? So everybody, all apparently, it was just this miracle going around, and, and the word was getting around, and everybody's going to get a gold filling in their mouth. And, and, and then when I pressed them on it, I was like, you really saw, like, gold? Yeah, man, I saw it. I was like, no, no, bro, like, come on, man, just be straight. You saw the gold dust? He's like, well, my friend saw the gold dust, but, but I believe my friend. I was like, so you didn't see the gold dust? And they said, well, you know what? Like, it, it's real. It's real. I'm like, no, I, I believe it's real. I do. I, I, God can do gold dust. It's just strange. Why is everybody getting gold dust? Like, why isn't God just healing the sick and raising the dead? Like, what's up with the gold dust? Like, why do we? Why gold dust? Why not a gold bar? Like a bar of gold. Like, forget the gold dust. What are you gonna do with dust, man? You can't even bring that to the bank. Hey, bank, give me some money for the gold dust. <laughs> give me the gold bar, man. Like, come on, let's let's be straight. If God's gonna prosper you. Give me the gold, man. But, but hey, so that was going on. And then I ended up visiting this church. And, 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 you know, I'm not even trying to criticize the church, but everybody knows about it. You know, the pastor did some reflection and he looked and says, you know what? There was a move of God, a Holy Spirit, but there was also a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff happening at the same time. And every time there's a move of God, there's always going to be a counterfeit. Do you know that? Every time there's miracles, there's going to be fake miracles. Every time there's a gospel, there's going to be a pseudo gospel. So, so he started, when it was all happening, according to this pastor, John Arnott, he said that, wow, man, people were, people were getting blessed, people were getting saved, the place was filled, and there were so many manifestations, I, I just didn't want to stop it. I didn't know what to do. You know, rumors were having it, that people were barking in do like dogs and, and, and acting like pigs, oink, 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 and doing all sorts of things, and... And, 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 and people thought, well, you know what, if it's manifesting, it must be the Holy Ghost. So people got confused. There was a lot of witches and demonic things taking, op taking the opportunity to get in the mix of that. So what ended up happening is that the church at large started to react to the charismatic stuff. And so they started questioning everything charismatic. They started, well, this is clearly not of God. We don't see this in the Bible. Um, this is clearly not of God. And we can show you. Did you see anybody barking like a dog in the Bible? Did you see anybody acting like a pig in the Bible? Did you see anybody rolling around uh, like in the Bible? And, 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 so, and so the case was closed. People like Hank Hanegraaff uh, wrote a book, uh, Charismatic Chaos. Um, for those of you that may know about this kind of stuff. And he, he, he showed biblically why some of these things were ungodly. And that created a trend in, in the church. The church started to now question anything that looked spiritual. Okay? All the churches now. And, and, and you know, I can understand. When somebody's abused... Whether in a relationship, you, you have a hard time trusting the abuser again. You, when somebody is offended in the church, sometimes you have a hard time going to the church. You know how many Catholics stopped going to church because of the priest did something to them and they're like, I don't want nothing to do with God. And this is what happened. There was abuses in the church. And then what ended up happening was then money got involved. People started to really talk about money a lot. Okay. And this goes even back further. This goes back into the, the Jim Baker, uh, Jimmy Tammy Baker. This is going back into the 80s um, and, and to someone like uh, Jimmy Swagger. Does anybody ever heard of these names? Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger? Amen. 
Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker had one of the largest, most impactful ministries of the gospel until this day. They were in every nation. They were the first televised. I believe this was where Trinity Broadcasting really expanded. And the gospel was going into every nation. And the Pentecostal evangelical message through Jim and Tammy Baker and Jimmy Swaggart um, exploded. I remember my mother had, had, a, had a Jimmy Swaggart Bible and, 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 it, and it had all the notes and he was smart. Uh, according to, uh, in the past, he knew 60 languages. He knew how to speak 60 languages accordingly. He was able to play the, the, the keyboard. He was able to do the guitar. He was, he was uh, part Native Indian and, and, and it was just, um, the guy was anointed. He was on fire. If you ever heard a Jimmy Swaggart message in the 1980s, this guy was a real fire blazing Christian preacher. He would make you tremble. He would, anybody that came to church would come to the altar after Jimmy Swaggart's message. I remember growing up on that. He, he made gospel albums almost every single year. This guy was on fire for the Lord. But going back to his predecessor, Jim Baker, he got caught in a financial scandal. And it really hurt. The, 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 the Christian world because what they thought was, was hey, you know, this guy wasn't, he, was, he wasn't paying his taxes. He, would, he, you know, he was living a, a grand old life. But then Jimmy Swagger comes along, so powerful, and then he gets caught sleeping with a prostitute. And everybody knows, uh, you know, about if you were there in those days, he went on publicly and he was weeping I'm sinned, I'm sinned, and he was weeping before everybody. But the world never forgave Jimmy Swagger. They never forgave him. He, he ended up taking a break from ministry, got back into ministry, but it was never the same. You see what happens, saints of God, when, when abuses happen. You see, our God is a forgiving God. You know, I believe God forgave Jimmy Swagger, and I believe God can forgive anybody regardless of what you do. But your testimony gets snared when we don't, harness and embrace the things of God and the world won't for God will forgive you but the world won't forgive you and sometimes Christians won't even forgive you it's really sad because if we don't forgive we won't be forgiven we got to be gracious with people because if we want grace we got to be forgiving but but you know this is the way the world works and so he got caught in a sexual scandal Jim Baker got caught and this is the and then now all of a sudden the Toronto blessing the Brownsville revival everything's happening everybody's moving and stuff and then there's gold dust and everything and then the church starts to now question it starts to prove it wrong and then we're now into an era of total separation we got we got the the baptists on one side anti charismatic in every way anti-prosperity, anything that sounds like have, you can have faith and receive a promise, that is out the window. Because if you say that, what you're saying, according to the Baptist perspective, you're saying that you can move God's hand or you're God. How can you just say, I have faith and I, I can move the mountains? You, you can't just say that. And so then the, the person on the other side, the, the Pentecostal is like, yeah, but didn't Jesus say that? Didn't Jesus say if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to the mountain, move, and it will move? Didn't Jesus say that? And then the Baptist will respond and say, well, that was for that time. Because at that time, Jesus Christ came for a purpose. 
The purpose was to show the kingdom of God. That was done. We can't repeat it. So leave it there because you can't move mountains. You're, you can't do what Jesus does. You're not Jesus. So a whole theology has developed that has turned its back on faith. And we have a divide within the church. Then we get people like Kenneth Hagin, Creflo Dollar, the, the Joseph Prince, Mr. Osborne, Reverend Ike, Joel Osteen. And I'm not saying good or bad about these people, but these people have harnessed what we call the prosperity gospel. Now, if you look at the prosperity gospel on the net, they're going to say that the prosperity gospel or prosperity theology is something from the Protestant world, the, not the Catholic or the Orthodox world, but the Protestant world. And it's the teaching that when you have faith expressed through positive thoughts or positive declarations and even donations to the church, it draws health, wealth and happiness into the believer's life. And some people even call it the health and wealth gospel, the name it and claim it gospel. And some people have even preached from the pulpit, if you name it, you can claim it. And everybody's cheering. And, and, and it's, you know, uh, you know, this is this is this is the understanding of what we understand to be the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. Now, if you're a critical thinker like I am, it, it, it's, it's a struggle because. In one sense, wait a second, doesn't God want us to be healthy? I mean, answer that question. Does God want you to be healthy? Or does God want you to be sick? So then the question, yeah, you know, someone say healthy. Some of you don't know. Some of your students say, I don't even know. I don't even know if God wants me to be healthy. Does God want you to be saved? Or, okay, tell you. I think everywhere, every Christian, no matter what denomination, we can all agree that God wants you to be saved. And I'm assuming that every Christian somehow, somewhere deep inside your heart believes salvation is a good thing, not a bad thing. I mean, at least you're being saved from fire. That's a good thing. You're, you're being saved from what? I mean, this is now where it gets technical. It's like, well... What is God really saving me from? Does God want me to save, be saved from an abusive relationship? Does God want me to be saved from depression? Does God want me to be saved from, from sickness? Does, where, how far does this salvation go? And so from the Baptist perspective, it would be like, well, we can't deny salvation. Okay, that's the most important thing. But anything else other than spiritual things... Beyond this grave, heaven. Anything else other than heaven, it's as, if, it's as God wills. If God wills it, okay. God wants you to be healthy, amen. If he doesn't want you to be healthy, amen. If God wants you to, 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 to be better, amen. If he doesn't want you to be better, amen. But the other side would say, well, wait a second. If you study the words of God, we see scriptures that... Where God himself is saying, I want you to remember me. I want you to know that I not only forgive all of your sins, but I heal also all of your diseases. I want you to know me like this. So this is where it becomes complex. 
How does God want you to prosper? Well, first I got to say something from the scripture. First Timothy chapter 6 and 10. And I think this is where some of the, some of the teachers have gone wrong. Some of the teachers have gone wrong. It's a very dangerous thing to start speaking prof, prosperity, but then your prosperity becomes greed. Your prosperity becomes your focus. Your prosperity becomes that's what life is all about. Very weird because in one way, salvation, life, you know, being saved, we should focus on the gospel of being saved and this is good news. We should focus on the good news. But does God want us to focus on the carnal things? Or does he want us to focus on the spiritual things? So 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after it, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's very, it's very clear in this sentence, the love of money. Anytime any Christian, any preacher stands up on a pulpit and is preaching about money to the point where the focus of the sermon, the focus of your life, the focus of everything is getting a house, getting a car, getting more money, uh, becoming a millionaire. They have already erred, according to this word of God. They've erred from the faith. They've gone wrong. They've distorted the gospel. And they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. Why? Because any person that's basing their life on temporary things will end up disappointed. Did you know that? doesn't matter how much houses you have, how much cash you have in the bank, how much you save, stock options, whatever it is, you're going to have many sorrows. Not only because it's going to disappoint you, but you're also going gonna to have a lot of people wanting your money. You're going to get women marrying you, and then you're going to find out they never loved you. They loved your money. You're going to get friends that all of a sudden want to be your buddy-buddy, but they only wanted your money. They only wanted to drive your car. You're going to have many sorrows, many disappointments, many feelings of disillusionment. That's why if you're here today, and all you're doing is chasing after wealth, trying to become a millionaire, might I suggest to you, stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. I know people that want to piggy bank off of this ministry because it's successful. Where were they when we were not successful? It's because when they see success, all they see is dollar sign. All they see is fame. All they, I want to get on a microphone at Christ Forgiveness Ministry because if I get, then people are going to go on my TikTok. Do you know, I, I, I recently got on TikTok. People were bugging me to get a TikTok. Hey, you gotta, I don't care about the views. But I just got on TikTok. And what I noticed, I, I said this to my wife yesterday, everything on TikTok is how many views you'll get. It's, it's just like people are obsessed at how to get more views on TikTok. So they'll do anything to get a view. They'll, they'll comment on some other random thing just to get a view. So I'm scrolling through TikTok. It's kind of funny. I mean, there's some funny things. You could sit there for hours just scrolling through, scrolling through. And I'm learning. I'm like, hey, man, this generation only listens for 15 seconds. So you got to shorten down your three-hour sermons to... <laughs> they get the message in like 15 seconds. Like, man, that must be really boring to the younger generation. But everything's about views. They have videos on how to get a lot of views on TikTok. And then it just occurred to me. It's like, wow, people are forgetting their purpose 
Their purpose now is just to get views. Like, they don't even care what they're pushing anymore. Everything's a surface level. Just as long as I get the view, I'm happy. It's all about feeling good for the moment. That's what TikTok is doing. If I, if I get everybody liking me, then I'm happy. But if nobody likes me, I'm miserable. But you know, what if the prophets of old had that kind of way? It's like, you know what? Unless everybody supports me and likes me, I'm not going to preach. Because I need the views. But we wouldn't have had Jesus going to the cross, would we? Because everybody left Jesus. He didn't do the popular thing. He did the unpopular thing. The prophets preached the unpopular message. So, so, so I'm here to tell you today, don't be chasing views. Don't be chasing because you're going to end up with a lot of sorrows. These people are stuck inside of some kind of cage where they have to keep trying to get people liking them. And then they got to jump on the next trend in order to like them. And some pastors do it even on YouTube. Some people putting their self on YouTube. They're just, they're just getting people on their show so that they can get their name, use their name to get somewhere in life. And I know a couple of them, and, 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 and I don't even want to name their names, but it's really sad. It's really sad. You will have many sorrows. The love of money is the root of all evil. So whereas some of these pastors have gone wrong is, is that they started to talk about the, the messages of what God can do, but ended up taking their eyes off of God and started focusing on what God could give. God can, yes, of course, God can bless you with a car. But now if you take your eyes off of God, why do you even need the car anyway? You see, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that, God, that God's word is, is like a double-edged sword. It, it pierces, dividing soul and spirit, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Why do you want the car? I can tell you why I want the car is because I need to do ministry. That's why, and that's why God will bless you. God, you see, with that kind of attitude, God will bless you with whatever you need if you're in his will. Because if his will is to carry the gospel to China, God is going to figure out a way to get you to China. And you can guarantee, you can bank on it, God is going to get me to China, if God said it. But if you're now that kind of person that's like, man, I want to I I travel like the Pastor David Lee. Why? Do you have a mess? Do you even have a message to bring? Where you want to go? Well, I just want to travel because, you know, God said he would bless me. I want to, want to sit on a, on, a, on a, listen, I don't sit on beaches. I don't like beaches. Anybody that knows me in person, I don't like beaches. I don't like scenery. In fact, I hate traveling. I don't like it. I travel for the sake of the ministry. Why? I don't like living out of a suitcase. I don't like having stinky clothes and I have to think about where, where, where's the next uh, uh, laundry mat. I, I don't like getting fat every time because I'm now I'm ordering from Uber, Uber Eats all the time. And I'm like, man, you know, and I blame myself. Okay, it's true. I like home. I like my pillow. I like seeing my, my younger son, my family. Amen. That, that's what I'm comfortable with. But some people have a desire for these things, and it brings many sorrows. I want to share something before I even go deeper in this. In Mark chapter 11, 14 to 16, we see Jesus Christ throwing over the money changers in verses 15. And it says in verses 16, he wouldn't allow that any man would carry any vessel through the temple. He wouldn't allow any man to carry any vessel in the temple. And if you go further on in that verse, he says, you have made my father's house into a den of thieves. But my house, my house should be a house of prayer. 
Now, it sounds like an oxymoron because sometimes we have needs and we need to pray. But when you turn the things of God into a business, when you turn the things of God into a self-satisfying focus, whatever prosperity God can give, you're turning it into something that will, won't even bring true prosperity. If I can break down the word prosperity for you, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says prosperity is somebody that flourishes, somebody that's successful. When you think about the prosperity that God is trying to give every believer, and this is very important for the new year coming up. When you think about prosperity, I know, and I hope you know, that just because you have a lot, it doesn't mean you are flourishing in life. Every person in the Western world is very wealthy when you compare it to places like Ethiopia, Philippines, other places around the world where sometimes they work for $2 a day, $3 a day. You're very wealthy. If you have more than two pairs of clothes, you're very wealthy. If you have more than, than three pairs of pants, you're very wealthy compared to most people in the world. You go to some places in the world, all they have is one shirt, one pants, and they wear it for seven days, sometimes two weeks, and it's dirty, but they go to work. You're very wealthy. But no matter how wealthy you are in the West, many of you are depressed, suicidal, broken relationships. Everything's failing around you. You can't even walk straight a straight line for more than one week. You're not prosperous no matter how good of a job you have. Some of us have good jobs and our marriages suck. Some of us have a lot of family members and we can't get along with any of them. Some of us have many cars and, 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 and we're still not happy. We want more and more and more and more. This is not prosperity. This is not flourishing. Now I'm saying this because I want you to know, number one, God is not against you having many cars. Okay, just like he, and if he is against you having many cars, he's against you having many pants. Why should you have many pants? Why don't Why don't you take that 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 mantle on you and say, you know what? Just have one pair of pants. Why don't you even take it further? Have one pair of underwear. Just so you know, one pair of underwear you can actually smell through the pants. Okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've worked in offices, man, and you just wonder sometimes. I. This person sits, who's that? Are you slow? You always check yourself first. <laughs> then you sit back and, whoa. Then you don't even know what to say. Because they didn't change their underwear. Matthew chapter 6, verses 34 says another principle about money. It says, sufficient un unto the day is the evil thereof. If you're always thinking about, I have to have enough, 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 okay, you'll never have enough. There will never be enough. The flesh never is quenched. The, 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 it always thirsts. And, and for those of you that ever struggle with porn or any kind of sexual problem, you know that it never ends. You, 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 you see one thing, you sleep with one person, you want more, you want more, you want more, and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's the same thing with money. You want more, you want more, you want more. It never ends. 
The only thing that can give you peace is when you put an end by the name of Jesus Christ inside your life and you say, I'm going to repent and give God a chance to fill me. That's when it's going to end. It's going to end right there. And then you're going to be prosperous for real. Then when you end up getting into a relationship with a woman or a man, you, you, you're not going to need 10,000 women to be happy. You're going to know how to cherish the one person or the one man in your life. And you're going to, wow, I didn't even know that life could be so beautiful. Relationships could be so amazing. It's because of Jesus. You see, that's how we prosper. This is why we have the good news. The good news is what prosperity is all about. You see, the good news brings you into a right perspective of life. Where life was distorted through the abundance of things, the chasing after wealth, just like the Gentiles, the Bible says, Jesus Christ brought in the balance. You want prosperity? I am a prosperous God. I hate the fact that the devil has hijacked the word prosperity. I hate the fact that he's hijacked the word, word of faith. It's a hijack. And he's intentional. The devil was intentional. It was the devil that planted all those demons and witches to, to distort the gospel so that the church of the next generation wouldn't even think that they can have faith in God. Wouldn't even think that they can prosper. They'll stay away from any verse that talks about prosperity. That talks about faith. And it's sad because the devil distorted what God really wanted to do. I want you to look with me and through a few quick verses about what God says about prosperity. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer here. I am not saying at all that every person that trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ is going to become rich. Okay? Now, I'll even put a, clarify, a disclaimer on that. The Bible says that we have the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. So in one way, yes. We will all get rich in Christ. Amen? But I don't want anybody to think with me today that rich, being rich is all about what you have. Because I grew up in the ghetto and I felt rich. We were living in a townhouse in the worst area, one of the worst areas in Toronto. And we always had bread in our fridge. Yes, we didn't have a limo. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have too much. But we always had what we needed. Amen. And every time somebody came to my house, they were like, wow, you have food. Amen. That was a big thing. And I felt, I never felt poor. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I mentioned that yeah, I grew up in the ghetto. And yes, technically we're, we were poor. We couldn't own a house. But I never felt like that growing up. I always felt rich. Because of the grace of God, the wisdom that God gave my mother, she utilized the little that she had and it became like literally like someone multiplying the, the five fish and the five loaves. It became just enough for all of us. Amen. It wasn't that we were rich, but we were rich in Christ. So I want to make those disclaimers. We're rich in Christ. Not everybody's going to become a billionaire, but I want you to look at Genesis chapter 24 and 40. The Bible says here, and he said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for your, my son of my kindred and my father's house. And so we see here a man of God trusting the Lord. And the angel of the Lord 
would go before the servant and ensure that his way was prospered. Now, you looked at it in the context of how was that prospered. That means he was going to get to his final destination. His, his desire would be fulfilled. This is what prosperity means. He's going to get to what he wanted to get to. He was going to be fulfilled. He's going to find that place. So God is saying right here to, his man of, to the man of God, to the servant of God, that I'm going to prosper his way. I want you to know today that if you trust in the Lord, okay, it's a healthy thing today to know that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will prosper your way. You have to believe this if you're a Christian. You, you, you gotta, I'm just asking you, I'm just requesting of you just to strip away your fears of the word prosperity because I want to try by the grace of God to make it right today. I want to have you have a healthy understanding of what it means to prosper. Because in a way, if we're Christians, we are uh, ministers of the prosperity teaching. Hmm. Not the false one, saints of God. Now, I know what's going to happen. I already put myself out. They're going to take that clip. You see, he said it. And no, Kenneth Hagin is not my mentor. No, I don't listen to Creflo Dollar or Joel Osteen or anything like that. So no, I never, I never was schooled. I went to like a total opposite Bible college, okay? I grew up in a reformed background. I went to a non-denominational school that had predominantly reformed teaching. So, so no, I am not uh, under any of their tutelage. I never took any of their courses. But every Christian, regardless if you're Baptist or charismatic, every Christian loves that verse in Proverbs chapter 3 and 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why do you believe he will make your path straight? Why do you believe that if you trust in him, something in the here and now will work out for you? Why? Because the gospel is a gospel of prosperity. God wants you to be at a better place than you were yesterday. Saints of God, if you are messed up, broken, beat up, depressed, God's gospel is not, I will save you, but I don't want anything to do with you here and now. I want you to just be there. That is not the case. It's not the case. And I know that can even bring up more questions than why God. The question, why God? Why this? Why that? Why that? Why am I like this? Why like that? Why did I go through this? We're going to get there. Let's go through a few other verses. Genesis chapter 36 and 39 and 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, the interesting thing about this verse, it doesn't say too much, but it does say enough that we can glean and understand what God is trying to say. He's saying, I was with Joseph. And guess what? Because God was with Joseph, we can deduce, we can read into the text that because God was with Joseph, he was a prosperous person. Now, I want you to understand something. The word of the Lord says in the New Testament it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. The Bible says, perfect love casts away fear. So the spirit that God gives us is a spirit of perfect love. 
Why? Because God is love, according to 1 John chapter 4. And Jesus Christ, the spirit that he gives, is the spirit of grace. It's the spirit of the gospel. It's the spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of God's love. For God so loved the world. When we see Jesus operating, he was operating in, in a mode of salvation, a mode of love, a mode of changing. He says the Son of Man did not come to, to, uh, to condemn the, the sinner, but to save the sinner. Uh, the, uh, I don't come for the righteous, but for the sinner. I will leave the 99 and go chase after the one. So the whole spirit of Christ is the spirit of love. He's given us a spirit of Love, which casts away fear. Now, fear speaks of condemnation, the Bible says. When you're walking in fear, you're, you're walking in condemnation. You're walking uh, as if there's not someone greater than your obstacle. So if you're living in fear today and you're hiding back and you're like, I can't sing. I don't want to speak. I don't want to step out. I don't want to face my giant. Listen, that's not the spirit of God because that's not a prospering way. That's a defeated way. We just heard it from Pastor Ryan about this year is going to be a year, a season of victory. Okay? If you're walking in fear, that's not, a, that's, not, that's not victory. That's defeat. So what God is saying in the scripture, he's saying that if I've touched your life, if I've given you my Holy Ghost, I'm giving you a spirit of victory. I'm giving you a spirit of that is supernatural, beyond the natural, beyond your circumstances, beyond your giants. I'm giving you something that can overcome the world. As the Bible says in another passage in 1 John, it says, Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have an overcoming spirit. This is a prospering spirit. So if, if you're a slave, you are bound. You are defeated. But because of the gospel, we are no longer slaves, like the songwriter said, to fear. But I am a child of God. So we're saying that, no, I am not a defeated foe. I'm not a victim. We got to get that victim mentality. People of God in 2022, I, I understand some of you were victimized. I understand in your past. There were things that happened to you that, that you can't even talk about sometimes. But I, I suggest to you today that you strip off that victim mentality and start to claim uh, your new identity in Christ. That, and, and sing that song from your heart this time that I am no longer a slave to my trauma. I'm no longer a slave to my abuse. I'm no longer a slave to my disease. I'm no longer a slave to my fears. But I am a child of God. This is my 2023. This is me going forward. Because the gospel, through the gospel, God gives you the spirit of victory. He gives you the spirit of power. That means you're not powerless. And when you have power, you can do things that you normally couldn't do. So where you didn't have the power to get a job... Now you have the power to get a job where you didn't have the power to to overcome your 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 temptation. Now you have the power to overcome your temptation. And guess what happens when you have the power to overcome? Guess what? You become prosperous. Where once you thought in a negative way about your life, I will never amount to anything. Now, because of the gospel, the spirit of God living inside of you, you believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. Yes, I can. Yes. 
Yes, I can get my GED. I can get my high school diploma. Maybe in the past I didn't think I could, but you know, with hard work and with the name of Jesus Christ on my side and the power of the Holy Spirit, I can get my GED. You were taught that you would never amount to anything. You would never get a, 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 high, a, a, a diploma in college. You would never get a degree. Who told you this? Who told you this? God is saying, I can, you can do all things because of the spirit of God inside of you. So the spirit gives you power, love, and a sound mind. Soundness is very important. The spirit of the Lord gives you soundness. Soundness. Soundness means you can think right. You can talk straight. You can overcome. Now, some of you are just heeding the flesh, heeding the devil. And I am not saying that your battle is going to be easy. There was never any battle in scripture that was easy. The battle with the Philistines was not easy. It, it brought fear on every single man except David. The battle, the battle with the Canaanites was not easy. It took hundreds of years and still they didn't re really cleanse the land. The battle with the Greeks wasn't easy. The battle with the Babylonians wasn't easy. The battle with the Romans was not easy. The Romans crucified and killed almost every apostle, including our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's not easy. For 300 years, the church was thrown to the lions and cut in sunder. Even it happened again in history in the 1500s, 1600s. Protestant reformers were burnt to the stake like witches. It's not easy. Nothing in this world comes easy. So I don't know how difficult your battle is. But one thing I do know what scripture says. It says the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. And I don't know one place in scripture where God has ever been defeated or any or lost any battle in history. Every battle that was placed in consecrated ways before the Lord and said, Lord, I entrust my life to you. I give my life to you. And it's in his will. The battle will always be won. And so the soundness is important because when you have a sound mind, that means that you're that you will succeed. In whatever God's will is for your life. And that word his will is very important. Very important. Let's go to another verse here. Genesis chapter 39 and 23. The keeper of the prison. This is looking, looking at that whole uh, Joseph story. He says, because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Again, when the Lord is with you. Is the Lord with you in your ministry? Some of you are doing ministry and the Lord's not with you. No wonder it's not prospering. Now, not, it's not every time prosperity means numbers. Because we're a prospering ministry and we're not a mega church. How do I know we're a prospering ministry? You are the testimony. You are the epistle of Christ. You are the evidence. Many people have gotten saved, delivered, healed through this ministry. That's the evidence. So, yes, it is prospering. What we're doing is right. So it's not always the huge numbers. But there has to be evidence that it prospers. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and 9, it says, Keep therefore the words of the covenant, do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Okay, again, prosperity. God will prosper you if you keep the words of the covenant. Now, the words of the covenant are in line 
with the direction that the Spirit of God has for your life. So if the direction that God has for your life is to be a missionary in Africa, don't think that God is going to prosper you in Toronto with a mansion. It won't work no matter how much you name it and claim it. You're going to name for the mansion and you'll be waiting for the next 50 years and it will never happen. And then you're going to waste all that time and energy naming it and claiming it. Somebody believe it. I'm just going to put my offer. I'm going to name it and claim it because God said. Yeah, did he say that to you though? Did he say he's going to give you a mansion? He said he will prosper you. But he didn't say this is how I will prosper you. See, that's the key. He didn't say this is how I will prosper you. Joshua chapter 1 and 7 says, Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, what if he decided to turn to the right and to the left away from the law of God and do his own thing? Do you think he's going to prosper? No. There's criteria. Because if he's staying in the will of God for his life and he's walking according to the laws, absolutely he's going to prosper. Because the laws of God are prosperous laws. You see, wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. If you walk in the ways of the Lord, you will be wiser. And when you have wisdom, you'll know what to do with your money. You'll know what to do with your time when you have wisdom. You see, a lot of us are not walking in prosperity because we have no wisdom. We have no fear of the Lord. We have not yielded ourselves to the disciplines of God. Any person, listen, let's face it. Look, you want to start a business and you want your business to prosper. And you wonder, okay, so you start a business, but your business is not prospering. Has you, have you ever asked yourself, number one, did God tell you to start that business? I know so many people trying to do something outside of their reach. You know, you, know, you know, when something's outside of your reach, it doesn't matter how much I reach, I can't speak on that microphone because that's out of my reach. Now, if I try, hey, how you doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the gospel. Guess what? You're not going to hear me, are you? <laughs> and if you do hear me, it's going to be so faint. Like, what's, what's wrong with that crazy guy? He, he's not being heard. You see, because it's out of my reach. But when you do things within your reach, this is meant for you. It's, it's meant for me to preach. Now, this is still not working. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, guys. Work with me. Work with me. But let's just say you're doing something in your reach. you got a gift, and it's in your reach. God has called you to this place, this pulpit. If God has called you to something, he's going to prosper you. God never puts somebody in a place to do his work and it won't prosper. And if it doesn't prosper, the only person responsible for it not prospering is that person not yielding to the move of God's spirit. If you are obedient to what God called you to do and you live by the principle that it requires, then you will be prosperous. So if God has given me a gift to preach, the first thing I should maybe do is maybe go to preaching school. How do, how do I learn how to preach? I should learn how to dissect the word of God. I, I, I should practice my gift if this is within my reach. And if I do things within my reach, it's going to flow and I'm going to get better and I'm going to prosper. And the more that I walk within my call and the more that I exercise the gift that God has given me, I will have a bigger impact around me. Now, if you have a business and you started a business and it's not prospering, you have to look at yourself. What are you not doing 
If God has given you a business and it's not prospering, maybe you don't have good customer service. That is a part of what God has given you. Smile when customers come in. Maybe you're not marketing properly. Okay, well, this is within the business. Manage your business well and God will prosper you. Because now you're staying within the laws and the covenant of what God has given you. God will give you wisdom. He will prosper you if it's for you. Amen? Amen. I think you're getting the point. Either I'm boring you or, or, or you're, you're getting it. Amen. Are you getting it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A few other verses that I just go in passing here is 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and 13. You sh then shall you prosper if you take heed to fulfill the statutes and the judgments which the Lord charged Moses. Plenty of other passages. For instance, it says, if we uh, meditate on the law of day and night, Psalms chapter 1 and 3, whatever you do will prosper. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Third John chapter 1 and 2 says the same thing. I desire that your body may prosper or you may be in good health and prosper as your soul prospers. So prosperity is actually a good thing for believers. Everything in Christ is prosperous. God is the God of light. He's the God of goodness. He's the God of health. So God desires you to prosper in his way. He desires you to be healthy in your thoughts. He desires you to be the best version of yourself. You can't be everybody else. Because if the moment you start envying and coveting what your neighbor has, you're stepping into somebody else's destiny. I could never, even if I tried, sing like Yolanda Adams. Okay, her voice is amazing. I wish I could sing like Yolanda Adams. A guy version. I wish I could sing like Hezekiah Walker or Marvin Sapp. Now I made it. That's, that's not that bad. Now I made it without you. Maybe, maybe it's within my reach. <laughs> maybe. Oh, and I've lost it all. Okay. But now I see. Okay, amen, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Prosperity, amen. Hallelujah. God wants you to prosper in his way for you. This is the gospel. This is the right understanding of gospel. So I'm not ashamed to say we should prosper. But I'm ashamed to align this teaching with what we see out there. The chasing of money, the greed the attaching ourselves to other people's destiny when it's not ours. These are people that have erred from the faith. But if you are in the faith, if you are walking in your destiny, God wants you to prosper. He wants you. Now, again, another angle, if you're not prospering in what you think is God's calling for your life. Have you ever asked yourself the question, is this really the call on my life? Is it really what God wants you to do? You know, I, I marvel at the guy that made the toothpicks. Who would have ever thought being a toothpick maker would make you into a billionaire? I mean, some of you would have laughed at him making toothpicks, but because of his toothpick idea, he stayed in his lane, and now this guy is 
rich. Okay? Sometimes you have been taught, especially how they teach. I remember even as a young person, one of my relatives told me, don't be a pastor, be a lawyer. Because you're a good speaker. But I said, I, would lo- I like law. Amen. That's maybe my backup thing. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't feel the calling of God in my life to be a lawyer. God has called me to be a preacher. It's like, yeah, but uh, brother, young man, take it from me. And I'm listening to this person. He's like, listen, I, I'm from Jamaica. And I see all these pastors begging for money. And they're poor. And they can't even feed their family. And I, and I, and I said to, to my relative, I said, well, you know what? If, first of all, if that's God's calling in my life, I don't mind being poor. Because I know even if I'm poor, I'm still going to have enough to eat. If God has called me, he's going to be okay. Yeah, but, but you don't want to live like that. Why don't you do ministry on the side? I'm like, I would love to if that was what, was, what God was calling me. But I, I just can't. I don't know why. And for about 10 whole years after that conversation, the ministry only had like two people. And part of me was like, is she right? Why am I not prospering? Why is nobody coming? Why, why is the vision not? But deep inside, I knew by the Spirit of the Lord, this was the right place to go. This was the vision of the Lord. I knew I had to check myself over and over. So sometimes prosperity doesn't come right away. But you got to check yourself. You got to check yourself. Remember the guy that made the light bulb? I don't know the whole story. What's the true story? But he tried the beginning. It didn't work. Tried again. It didn't work. Even the guy that made the airplane tried the first time. It didn't work. Tried again the first time. Didn't work. Didn't work. Worked. Worked. But he kept going. He kept going. Sooner or later, if it's the Lord's will, it will come to pass. And you always have to do have those check posts every moment. Is this where the Lord has called me to go? You see... This idea of prosperity ties into what we call the word of faith. Okay, this is another angle to the prosperity movement. And I'm, I'm not going to bore you too much with the history here, but it's a similar concept. You see, the concept of the word of faith, it says that whatever you can just believe, God will give it to you no matter what. And again, I think I've answered the question. Yes, God wants to prosper you. He wants to give you all of his promises. But again, again, his promises, some, all the promises are true in principle, but they're applied in the call that God has for your life. Okay? It's applied. But what about those scriptures where Jesus said, that if you have faith, if you, if you can believe it, it can happen. Many of you know those passages. So, so where do we go from there? Well, this is where we go. Let's first look at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 21 and 21. It says, if you say to the mountain, move, it will be moved and it shall be done. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive and a lot of amen 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 but stop there a lot of people say this scripture and never receive so then what is the secret is jesus lying i'm going to tell you a secret here people don't really believe what they say they believe 
People say, I believe, I'm going to believe God for a breakthrough this year. They come up to the altar, they don't get the breakthrough. Did they really believe? Now, it might look like they really believe. But what is belief? What is faith? Well, faith is a trust. And what's the root of real faith? If you want to understand faith, we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So when you say, I believe, I have faith, there has to be substance behind what you purport you believe. If there is no substance, it doesn't matter how much you come to this altar and say, I believe there has to be some substantial truth in the spirit that lines up with what you are praying and demonstrating by faith. How do you get that? You get that with an intimate relationship with God. You read the word. If, if you can read the word and spend time with God and ask the Lord, Lord, I need a house. Can you now drop it in my spirit? Give me some kind of substance so that when I believe, when I declare these things, I know that I know that I know that this is for me. It can even be healing. I mean, some people say, I believe. I look at the scripture, by his stripes I am healed. But then they come and they never get healed. So you need to get back on your knees, God where am I going wrong? What do I need to get this substance so that I can make it an actuality in my life? Because I know you can do it. You said you could do it. But how do I get it? How do I receive it? That means there needs to be some substance. There needs to be some close relationship with God that you can feel that, that, that healing coming into your being. You can feel that it's for you. This is how true faith comes about. And so when that person really believes from the bottom of their heart, they can feel that presence. Sometimes the presence of God is so thick in the room and the preacher is talking about something strong. that The Lord can heal you and some of you can get it. You can get it in your spirit and, and God just deposit it and, and you know that you come, then you respond to that and you get it. But then other people just watch everybody else and they see, they, they see a genuine, they just come up, but they, they don't believe. And even the Bible says Jesus Christ went to do miracles in a certain town and he couldn't do any miracles there. The Son of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because they had not faith. Because of their unbelief. The, 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 the disciples tried to cast out demons, but they couldn't because of their unbelief. But Jesus, at his own word, he was able to. So what is the difference here? You have to have substance. Substance behind what you say. Substance. It was substance in Hebrews chapter 11 that caused these men and women of God to go deep into their journey. By faith, the Bible says, Abel offered unto God. What was it about Abel? He knew that God required a sacrifice. And so God, Abel gave the right sacrifice. There was substance Behind what he did. It says here, by faith, Enoch was translated and did not see death. Do you think that Enoch was just able to do that without a deep relationship with God? The Bible says that Enoch pleased God. He walked with God. That's why he was translated. He was able to do that because he had a deep, intimate relationship with God. I can go on and on with faith with Noah. By faith, Noah 
move the ark. But what was it with Noah? Noah got a vision, got an instruction from the Lord to build the ark. So all he needed to do now is operate on the instruction that was given. He had the substance, therefore his faith came to pass. You see, some of you had, had received dreams of speaking in tongues. I remember before I started really speaking in tongues, I started getting different dreams that, that this was happening. And it started to happen. Amen. This is what happens. I, I, I got dreams. I was, you know, hearing uh, even dreams traveling, dreams of my calling years before I ever traveled. And it took a long time to see it actualized. But the thing is, I held on to the substance that God gave me about the vision. And every time I, I saw in my physical eyes that, the, that this is not going to work, I held on to the little substance that God gave me, the dreams that he gave me, the prophetic words. Somebody prophesied over my life. I had my own dreams, and I knew that this was the call. I listened to the substance in my spirit that God is telling me, keep going this way. Don't worry about what anybody says. Just keep doing it. So I continued to hold on to the substance and now look 35 churches later Amen. this is how real faith works this is how faith works it says here in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 by faith when Abraham was called to go out to a place he obeyed you see he obeyed the substance that was given to him God called him out and by faith he walked out Okay, so all we're seeing right here is that there's this intimate connection. God gave substance and they acted on the substance and then evidence came out. It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. Well, guess why? The angel showed up and said, you're going you're gonna to have a child. Okay, amen. All I need to do is believe it. It sounds strange. It doesn't look normal, but it's going to happen. That's faith. Says Abraham, I can go on and Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Why? Because he knew his father Abraham really heard from the Lord. He believed that Abraham had an intimate relationship with God. And this destiny over the family was passed down. So all Isaac, see Isaac heard it from Abraham. And because he knew Abraham was a man of God, he held on to the substance from the man of God. So he clinged on to the substance. It was for him, your family. So now Isaac, by faith, blessed his children. And it came to pass. See, sometimes you can get substance through a man of God. When the man of God prophesies into your life, if he's a true prophet, true man of God, and he says something, some of you might not know how it's going to happen. Just, just about two days ago, somebody prophesied him. I'm not even going to say what it is. But he said something. The weirdest thing happened. It was kind of weird. It didn't fully fulfill what he said. He didn't say it was going to happen that day. He said something's going to happen. I'm not going to say what it is. But I'm still testing this, okay? But the weirdest thing happened. The same day, within a couple hours after he prophesied a specific thing, somebody calls me on the phone and in, in a small way, fulfills what he just said. The same exact day, couple hours. And I was like, whoa. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the guy. Maybe that is the fulfillment. It was just a little too strange. And sometimes, just like you, I'm hesitant. Just like you. Because a lot of people saying a lot of things nowadays. 
You know, I, you know some, for me, sometimes it's like if I don't see it in my dream myself, I don't know about you, but I know about God in my life. I don't know about you. Now, that's the wrong attitude. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help me have more faith. But Isaac knew his father. Jacob, Hebrews chapter 11, 21, when he was dying, he blessed the sons of Joseph, leaning on his staff. And when he died, he made mention of the departing of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. He did that because he knew God promised us a land. It's not Egypt. So carry my bones. That's faith. That's faith. Moses, when he was born, uh, his parents, I'm just going through a little bit of faith here. They would come do, do, and I'm going to wrap it up. Verses 23 says, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid. They knew something about this child. that He was going to live and he was going to be the deliverer. They knew something about him. This God deposited something in their spirit. So they defied the king's stuff. This is, listen, saints of God, this is why your pastor, Pastor David Lynn, is prospering. In the ministry. It's not because I'm perfect. It's not because you can find a lot of flaws about me. No socks today. <laughs> My wife said to me, do you want socks? No. I'm, I'm rushing. I'm rushing. I'm, I'm late. I'm late for church. But, but at least wear some socks and professionals. <laughs> Amen. I don't know what else. Don't have my belt on today. <laughs> oh, Lord, I gained weight again. Saints of God. But we're going on a fast today. For seven days. No, 21. So you guys know, as of today, 1159, we are going on a church-wide fast. Everybody here, if you remember, you have to fast, okay? This is a church-wide fast. Don't quench the spirit. If you are visiting, you're welcome to join in with the house of Israel and Judah right now and fast with us. Amen. <laughs> fast with us. We are fasting for 21 straight days. Okay. Now, this is how we are doing it as a congregation. Those leaders like myself, seven days straight, only water. Okay. 24 hours, 24 hours, 20, only water. So no cheating. No, 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 uh, no berry juice. Okay. No banana, strawberry shake. Okay. It's just straight water. So I will by next week look a lot different. I came home and I tried to put on my suits. I fit in nothing. This suit is like four sizes. My, my thing, man. How in the There's no point of wearing a belt. Not even any room. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Seven days if you're a leader. If you're not a leader and you're new to fasting, three days, only water. Okay? No cheating. Not, not a Muslim fast where you where you 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 eat until sunrise, like five in the morning, you, you stuff your face. You don't eat until sunset, and then you stuff your face again. I, I don't know what Muhammad was thinking. No wonder none of them could cast out demons in the name of Jesus or anything like that. Even they, because they got no power. I mean, you're, that's not a fast. I don't care. You call it for we fast 40 days. No, you don't. You fast for 10 hours. 
40 times. <laughs> you don't fast for 40 days. But I know someone that did Jesus Christ. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights without food. Amen. So if you're new to fasting, three days, just water. If you are a member of this ministry and you are good at fasting, you can fast like the leaders for seven days, no water. If you're an advanced faster and you want to fast more, you can fast up to 21 days if you want. Okay, you can fast for There's some people in this congregation that can fast longer, sometimes even 30 days. Okay. So if you are saying, oh, pastor, three days is, okay, fast with the leaders. If you think seven days is, okay, then fast longer. But we're going for 21 days. So after the three days of fasting, the next 18 days is going to be a Daniel fast. Okay? The Daniel fast, you can eat any vegetables, fruits, and berries. Just look online as to if there's any restrictions on what, because don't start stuffing your, your face with flakies and start to say, well, technically... Flakies is made with bread. The little jam is made of strawberry. And that little stuffing puff, I mean, that's organic anyway, right? I know some of y'all thinking, no, Daniel Fast is like real vegetables, raw stuff, okay? For the leaders, I'm just breaking it down, seven days, and then the rest of it is a Daniel Fast, Okay. If you have medical conditions for whatever reason and, and real medical conditions, don't, don't say, oh, the fasting's so hard in one day, I got a medical condition. Okay? <laughs> I, I've covered all my bases, Brother Andre. I know all the excuses because I've been there. I've been fasting like, oh. <laughs> the first two days is going to be tight. Okay? I'm not going to lie. If you haven't fasted before, day one and day two, you're going to start shaking. And then you're going to be thinking like, did David really mean three days? I mean, three days? I mean, three, I mean, is it three days in my head? Like, I said the names of the three days? <laughs> like the, the devil and the flesh will make every excuse not to fulfill the three days. But I guarantee you, you're not going to die, okay? Just drink a lot of water, and you won't die. Say to God, I can go on and on about faith, about how Moses forsook Egypt and all the people of God had faith and how the prayer of faith saves the sick and how we overcome by faith. But the reason why we overcome by faith is because there's substance. You have to believe. You have to be convicted. This is what shows a real Christian from a fake one. The real Christian heard from God was convicted in their spirit. That they were a sinner and they needed a savior. And they had tears in their eyes. There was something going on inside where God is speaking to them. Where they knew that if they were to die today, they would go to hell. And they see their sin and they know they need God. That kind of person has substance. And they walk to the altar with the substance. And they receive Jesus. And Jesus truly comes in their life. And they get the feeling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And they start to walk the holy life. This is, this is when someone has substance. Because it's for them. And if you're here today and, 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 you, and you say, I, I, it's for me, but, but you're not seeing the substance. Then they get on your knees and ask the Lord, Lord. Can you have mercy on me? 
I want to be included in the household of God. I believe that Jesus Christ, give me some evidence. Give me something to hold on to. Because I guarantee you, saints of God, the road is not easy. And if you have nothing to hold on to, you will fall. You will fall. And you're going to go back to the world because you never had substance. That's why the Bible says all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And when you look at the book of Revelation, their, their garments were white. Who are these people? These are people that came out of the tribulation. They washed their garments by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and, and these are the people that obey the Lord. They, they don't sleep around. They don't fornicate. They, they live holy lives. How do they live a holy life? Is because they held on to the call. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. Everybody's called. I'm calling you right now to believe by the word of faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, the word of faith is what we preach. We preach the word of faith. The word of faith is near you. It's even in your mouth. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you have to hear the call. I don't know how you hear the call. I don't, I don't know what it is why some people don't hear the call. I'm not talking about you heard it with your ears, but do you hear it with your heart? Do, this is the call hitting you at a, in a real way that you're ready to turn your back on the world. We sing a song, Goodbye World. Did God call you like that? Is it a real, genuine call? Because if you don't have something genuine, it won't last. And, and, the, and the pressures of life will test your call. It will test you. Every believer will be tested to see what kind of thing is really in your heart. So I believe, yes, absolutely we believe in the word of faith. Not the word of faith to, to name it and claim it on things that don't have substance. We believe in the word of faith with substance. If you can get the substance from God, no matter what it is. If you, if you spent time in the word of the Lord and spent time in prayer and you really, 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 really want healing. You want deliverance. Some of you say you want deliverance, but you don't want deliverance like that. You've never even fasted for a day. And you say you, you have substance? Substance will push you to fast. Substance will push you to cry unto the Lord. Substance will push you to come to church early and pray. Substance will push you to come to the altar. Substance will do that. Substance will make you repent of your sin. Substance will make you let go of that bad boyfriend. Substance. But some of you say you have substance and you're in the same sin every single day of the year. And you say you have faith. You have nothing. You don't have faith. That's why you have no victory. If you really had faith, you would have the victory. Because who is he that overcomes the world? He that has faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. When you have faith in the resurrected living Christ who overcame sin in the grave, you will overcome. It's a mockery when we say we have faith and we don't overcome. Say to God, this is a mockery to me and to you. Listen, if we have substance, hold on to your substance. And you will see the victory. And if you're looking for something, if you're looking for something from God, God can give it to you. But you've got to go on your knees and seek it until you get that substance to hold on to. Some of you need to fast until you get a dream. Has, has God spoken to you yet in your dreams? Has he? The Bible says that before God does something, he reveals it to the prophets. You want God to do something in your life? Has God revealed it to you yet? Have you sought God like that? You want to speak in tongues? Have, have you even, even 
even allowed worship to enter your heart in, inside the congregation? Have you, have you even spent more than 10 minutes praying at home? Have you, have, you spent, have you ever just taken a day, shut yourself in the room, and you just said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep praying? And, and, and some of you may, may have, but you got to do it again. Do it again. You see, I don't get discouraged. Some, well, okay, everybody gets discouraged at some things, but some things, when it comes to God, I never blame God for my problems. Never. If I, if, 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 I should be walking in a level of prophecy right now because it's been prophesied over and over by different I've seen it in my, in my dreams. And in some way I'm walking in it. But I'm not anywhere close to where God wants me. And you know who I blame? Not God, me. Somebody prophesied to me in New York City. And she came up to me, this old lady with head covering. An old lady. I don't even think she goes to the church. She came. She looked at me. Come here. And I said, okay. <laughs> And I bend down because she's a short, short white lady. And she's like, God wants you to spend more time with him. And I could swell up in pride. Who, who do you think you are, Pastor David? No, no, no. I was like, she, this is God. God is using you. God loves you. But he wants you to spend more time with him. God is using you. You are blessed. You will succeed. But God wants you to spend more time with him. And she says, God loves you. She hugged me and that was it. That was it. And, you know, and the reason why I knew that was from God is because, because God's been saying the same thing to me. He needs me to spend more time with him. How can you, how can I Walk in the level of faith that God wants me to unless I hold on to the substance and obey it. The substance has been given to me. I know because God has spoken to me. Prophets have spoken to me about certain things and I know. And even if, let's just say what I thought I heard is false and what, and what the, the lady said is false. Let's just say it is still a good thing to spend time with God at the end of the day. You can't go wrong with spending time with God. But what I need to do is I need to let that substance fill me and exercise that substance and walk in it. Okay, get on your knees, David. I know you feel like rushing and, 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 and opening up some, some social media, but let me just stay here. I might not feel like it, but let me just stay here. I may be struggling, but let me stay here. And let me call. And, and until I get that thing out of me that doesn't want to stay here. until And so then now, now I, I build that, that kind of faith. And whatever God had for me with that substance, it will come to pass. This is how you do it. So no matter what it is, saints of God, it could be anything. Yes, it is true. Jesus said the truth. He said, if, if you can believe it, yes. But to believe it, you need to get the substance to believe it. 
Otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere. So if you really want to get out of the ghetto and have a bigger house, there's nothing wrong with that because, because you, want, you want the best for your family. There's nothing wrong with, with, with desiring a, a car so that you can go to work so that you have more time with your kids. There's nothing wrong with living closer to your work. There's nothing wrong with any of that as long as that's not the focus. Yes, the word of faith works as long as you have substance and to get that means you need to spend time with God. And you have to be open to maybe God wants you to relocate somewhere else. That is also prosperity as well. Because if you want to work in the city and God is saying, I'm not going to give you that house in the city. I'm not going to give you that car that you want, but I am going to give you something better. I'm going to give you a ministry down the road and I'm going to give you uh, 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 something here. And I'm not saying that this is what God is saying to any of you. So don't don't. This is not a prophetic word that I'm saying right now. So the, so don't unless God is saying that. So I'm just saying as an example. God may have something better for you and that's where you're going to prosper I want everybody to stand to your feet for a moment saints of God hallelujah I want everybody to close their eyes for one moment we're headed into the new year hallelujah and this is the year of breakthrough true faith true prosperity where God is going to set your mind in order where your families are going to be aligned with the word of God. Where your faith is going to have a deep root in truth. In substance for, for, for what God has in store for your life. And some of you are going to be stretching because there's something in your spirit where you know that there's a genuine need inside of your life. A need that only God can fill. And God is saying if you can believe it. You just have to be willing to go to the place to get the substance so it becomes a reality.